Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet it can often be hard to achieve. Tune in monthly as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX Podcast. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky, Director of Product Management at Kubra. In today's episode, we'll discuss how more choice in billing and payments translates to a better customer experience. JD Power studies have revealed that billing and payment factors can account for more than 20% of total customer satisfaction. Giving customers the ability to choose their own path to receiving and paying bills heavily influences their satisfaction with their utility. We've brought in Sarah Small, Product Marketing Manager for Kubra's Billing and Payment Solutions to talk more about this. Hey Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Hi Alfred, happy to be here. Before we get started, I want to read a little bit from your bio. So it says here that you manage the marketing for all of the billing and payment solutions at Kubra, which ranges from traditional print and mail to on-demand digital payments. Your role includes a significant amount of research into the marketplace as well. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about where you have seen choice come into play with regards to customer experience? Absolutely. As you mentioned, a large part of my role is to conduct research into the marketplace, and that also includes understanding the needs and expectations of customers. So we recently researched utility customers about their attitudes and behaviors towards billing and payments, and we began to notice some interesting trends. These consumers weren't selecting email as their preferred method of receiving bills. They were selecting email and mail and text message, and they weren't selecting just credit card as a preferred payment type. They were selecting credit card and debit card and cash. So it really became clear that the preference here was for more options. And these preferences were not just specific to the utility customer. We actually captured the same trends in billing and payments for government services as well. And you can actually find all of our research published on our website at kubra.com. And so we have some really interesting insights available. So you mentioned like a list of um, preferred uh, methods of receiving bills, and you you mentioned mail. So I uh, I imagine you mean like snail mail, like well, not digital in that. And I would not have guessed that snail mail is still something that a significant number of people ask for. I mean, and, um, I mean, I've read that in certain demographics that the use of e- even email is going the way of dinosaurs. So, um, so, for example, I know for my kids, if I ever send them an email, like um, crickets, I won't I won't hear anything from them. Uh, I'm lucky if they respond to a text. So, you know, it's actually kind of funny now that I think about it. Imagine they're going to grow up, they're going to have to pay bills, and uh, then they're going to receive their bills by email, and uh, the utility won't have the excuse, uh, they won't accept the excuse, oh, I, you know, I didn't read my email, therefore I didn't uh, pay my bill. Uh, The utility can make a bunch of money on late fees off my kids, I think, or that whole demographic. Mm -hmm. But it, it seems like... I think mail is going the way of dinosaur, and then my kids think snail mail, uh, email is going the way of dinosaur. It just seems like um, you know, there's lots of opportunities for bad experience uh, for those customers if they choose the wrong channel. 
It's very true. Um, definitely true. So it's important to have other channels available that would resonate with your kids, for example. So when they're ready to take on utility payments, they're communicating in the right channels. So I'm sure that um, they would respond to, let's say, a text message pretty quickly. Yeah, and I th- and I, I think a next a step further than that, you know, if they had uh, Snapchat or Instagram or something, um, that, right? Yeah, you know, they could, or even Venmo, right? They could just pay with a push of a button. So, so what is the connection with the customer experience? So Shep Hyken, an expert in customer service and a best-selling author, said it best. He said, "Customers don't worry about anything other than choice and convenience." And you will discover the truth in this when you speak to consumers. If you ask even a handful of customers, why do you choose to pay the way you do? The word convenient will really pop up quite a few times. So choice and convenience really go hand in hand. When customers have limited options, convenience is replaced with frustration and frustrated customers is really the opposite of what companies are trying to achieve. Well, so I agree that uh frustrated customers is something you don't want. But when you talk about choice and convenience, I think, um, so this might be just a personal thing for me. Like if I go into like a big box store and I'm looking for, or like a grocery store and I'm looking for, like, I don't know, uh, Raisin Bran. You go in, there's like five or six different choices of Raisin Bran. It's like, that, that's way too many. Like the choice um, overwhelms me. And, and I, w- so I would go shopping and I would think people would be interested in finding you know, the raisin bran or whatever that is the best quality. But I haven't heard you say anything about quality or value. Although then I'm thinking, well, in the ele- let's say in the electric market or gas or water market, I mean, an electron is an electron. Things are just commoditized. So maybe in that case, quality isn't that, uh, or value isn't that big a, a factor. So I guess now I'm talking out loud and convincing myself, well, maybe it really is down to choice and convenience. Is, is is how utilities can differentiate themselves uh, w- w- with a product that's really commoditized. So what type of billing and payment options are out there today that utilities should be aware of? Well, Alfred, there are so many options out there, especially with technology evolving so quickly. I'm not even sure we have enough time in this episode to go over them, um, but I'll try. Uh, so in regards to bill presentment channels, there's traditional print and mail, Um, email with PDF bill attachments, text message, the biller's website, and even social media like Facebook Messenger, Twitter. As for payment channels, there are so many that at Kubra we categorize them. So we have in-person channels that can include kiosks, point-of-sale devices, and retailer locations like 7-Eleven or CVS. Then of course, digital channels that can include desktop, responsive mobile websites, mobile apps, and two-way text messaging. Then there are telephone channels, which can include IVR or interactive voice response, customer service representative and web. So that's really a blend of both customer service and online, and then call centers. And then we have a category for what utilities may see as new, but at Kubra, we've actually been offering this for a couple years now. Uh, So that would be artificial intelligence and API payment channels. And this category includes Amazon Alexa, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, and then also standalone chatbots for website integration. 
Wow, that's a long list of uh, channels and options. It seems like there's there's something for every every flavor and preference. So I mean, guess there's there's a lot of different ways that companies uh, can make sure that they get their money from their customers and and make it easy for the customers to, uh, to trade that way a service for 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 money. That sounds great. So you had mentioned something about uh, you called it an API payment channel. Can you say more about that? Sure. So API stands for Application Program Interface, and it essentially specifies how software components should interact. So for example, our Kuber IQ solution is connected to our natural language processing engine via an API. So when a user request comes through, such as, I want to pay my bill, that request is then sent via that API call to be processed by the natural language processing engine, which is then able to determine that the user's intent is to make a, make a payment. The API does not process the payment, so no card data is passed through the API. It only determines that the user wants to make a payment so that the proper next steps can be taken to transfer the user to a PCI compliant environment to make a secure payment. All right, so that that's a good explanation uh, of the um, the API uh, payment channels. Um, you also mentioned a PCI compliant environment, and we'll talk. Uh, I have a question about that a bit later uh, in in this uh, episode. But it sounds like what you're saying is uh, an API is basically someone else's, um, you know, some third party vendor saying, "Hey, I'll handle all the complex payment stuff for you. I'll handle all the uh, industry." industry standard um, security for you. You just, as a, as a company, just give us the information, like how much money, who the, who the, who the payer and the payee are, and we'll, we'll handle all that for you. So it sounds like API payment channels are, are a great way to, to move the complexity of payments away from the company and give it to an, to an expert uh, in, in that field. You listed a lot of different payment channels, both traditional and more modern versions. So another category of payment option is the prepay model. So while most utilities uh, uh, do things a little bit different than most other companies, they, they charge their customers monthly after they have used the service. So after they've used electricity, water, gas. Um, that's not how most of the world's companies work. Uh, we typically pay for our services before we use them. So think like a Starbucks app, like a, a, a preloaded, um, you know, a debit card or a, a company card, a cell phone plan or gas for your car. So uh, in addition to the, the dizzying list of payment options you mentioned a few minutes ago, I want to add that prepay is also another payment option that can make use of some of these other payment channels you described a minute ago. Yes, certainly prepay is another convenient payment channel for customers who want more control over energy usage and payment scheduling. And you really can't forget about the benefits to the organization. So you have improved cash flow, quicker payments, and less energy usage. So while we are talking about prepay as a convenient uh, payment option, it's also an option that does almost like a, a paradigm shift or a pivot for the relationship between a company and the customer to a new position. So uh, an example uh, we use often with prepay is uh, the gas tank in a car. So you, you pay for your energy in the car before you use it. But imagine now that you didn't have a, ga uh, a gas gauge in your car. That would be a very uh, anxiety uh, 
helpful experience. So basically, when will I run out of gas? You have no idea because the gas gauge isn't there. And of course, that's a silly, ex- silly example because we expect a gas gauge and that kind of communication to be in the car on the dashboard. And that's the same uh, for companies that offer prepay. So for example, if an u- electric utility uh, opens up this prepay payment option, then they also need to step up their game when it comes to communicating with their customers. Because if they don't step up their game and provide all this you know, so-called gas gauge information, like when you're going to run out or you know, you're going to run out in 20 miles or you're going to run out of electricity in three days, if they don't provide that, then all the benefits of um, paying ahead of time will be outweighed by this new anxiety and this really bad customer experience that you've um, imposed on your customers. So in successful prepay implementations, what started off as just offering a new payment option to the customer ended up being a more pleasant and open relationship between the utility and the customer. And I think that's what all your options that you mentioned, right? So like Alexa, Facebook, text, website, kiosk, all those things, that's, I think, the end game, right? We're, we're obviously trying to um, provide more options, but it also opens up a better relationship or opportunity for a better relationship between the company and the customer. Anyway, so earlier when you were talking about all the different payment options, I was thinking I'd actually not, I'd never use most of those options. Um, so some are options or communication channels I'm simply not interested in using. And some, um, you know, and I, I as well, some may say that too much choice can be a bad thing. Uh, what do you think about that? Would you agree with that? That's a good question. And I'm sure many would ask the same question as that. Um, my response would be yes, I would but it really depends on the context. So for instance, um, if I'm looking to book a trip to Italy and a travel agent provides me with 20 different hotels to choose from in Rome, sure, that's overwhelming and could very well lead to a poor experience. But when we're talking about billing and payments, you have to really consider that utilities, especially larger utilities, are serving hundreds of thousands of customers. And these customers have different income levels. Some live in the city, some live in small towns. And then we have local governments who also serve various citizen types. So when it comes to billing and payments, the more options you provide, the more customers you can satisfy. So for customers who are unbanked, the ability to pay at the local 7-Eleven around the corner can really save them time and effort. And then for the customer who works that nine to five job, that outdoor kiosk allows them to finish their workday without the stress of running to the closest walk-in center before 5 p.m. closing. In fact, um, interesting story to add to that, a client of ours implemented an outdoor kiosk to allow for bill payments outside of business hours. And with detailed tracking, we were able to see when the kiosk received the most bill payment interactions. Can you guess when that was? Well, I'd I'd think so. Probably be weekdays, um, you know, and maybe probably after work. So the morning would be too early. So I'm I'm, I'm guessing evenings after work sometime. That's right. So we actually saw evenings and weekends get the most traction, and we can see from this data that the addition of a kiosk that's available twenty four seven made several of their customers' payment experience a little more convenient. Okay, so. I was a bit skeptical and you know, maybe still am a little bit about all the choices uh, that you presented earlier. So it's not like the utility necessarily wants me as an individual customer to make use of all those choices. 
I think what you're saying is that the utility is aware that I might be interested in only one or two of those, uh, that vast list of options, and that people, for example, like in my kids' generation, are also interested maybe in only one or two options, but there might not be an overlap between uh, their choices and mine. So therefore, uh, the utility is really trying to offer a really broad range of choices to satisfy as many customers as possible. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. So, I mean, Alfred, if you want to pay by text message today and next week pay through your Amazon Alexa, or sorry, next month pay through your Amazon Alexa, um, and then the month after pay through an email, that's fantastic. You have the options there. But with making these options available, you're really hoping that an individual customer won't necessarily pay 10 different ways, but you're making it easier for different types of customers to find the right channel for themselves so that they can have a better payment experience. It's uh, really important to market the right channels to the right customers. So how do you see this trend of choice like evolving in the billing and payment space where, where you're quite active? Well, the integration of predictive technology could have an impact. Um, Amazon and Netflix have already mastered this. So for those who are not familiar with that term, can you explain more about what predictive technology is? Sure. So predictive technology is a body of tools capable of discovering and analyzing patterns in data so that past behavior can be used to forecast likely future behavior. So we see it in action with Netflix or Amazon when they suggest other shows we may like to watch um, or products we may want to purchase next. They use the data from our previous interactions to help guide these future selections. With so many choices out there to satisfy multiple customers, adding predictive technology to suggest which payment channels are better suited to a customer can help with the adoption um, through more effective targeting and help customers sift through the options that maybe aren't as well suited to their needs. It really all revolves around the data. I think that's kind of uh, funny, actually, in a not so funny way. We have all this technology that has given all, <laughs> given us all these choices, and now we need technology to help us decide which which choice to use. But <laughs> exactly. I guess that's the way generally things are going. So a, mm -hmm. a few minutes ago, uh, when you were convincing me that m having many different choices is a good thing, I was wondering if it might be a, a big challenge for a company to ensure that the same message gets across all the different channels. So here, here's an example. So. Um, let's say I want to receive a message about a bill that's due and I've told them I want to receive it on my phone as an SMS text. Well, that, that channel has a limit of 160 characters per message and it does not, doesn't allow any formatting. I mean, I know you can put in emojis and things like that, but um, little, known, uh, little known fact, emojis actually cut into your character count more than, than letters of the uh, Roman alphabet do. So you have even less characters. But the same message, you know, hey, your bill is due, uh, if it, receiving that same message in email could be richly formatted, like with embedded pictures or other media, even with, you know, video explaining my bill. So I would think that the uh, company sending out these messages would want to take the time and effort to ensure that the messages across all these very different channels would have a, a kind of a common thread. So with so many options out there, do you have any tips for utilities or other companies about offering choice in billing and payments? I sure do. So firstly, yes, um, just to go along with what you were just saying, when you're offering multiple channels, I cannot stress enough how important it is 
to ensure a consistent experience across every one of those channels. I'm sure everyone has heard the terms omni-channel and multi-channel. Mm -hmm. So multi-channel allows customers to engage in multiple channels, but it often treats channels as silos, independent from one another. And each channel in a multi-channel strategy exists as a separate communication point. Omni-channel, on the other hand, creates a single customer experience across your brand by unifying communication channels. So that's what really sets omni-channel apart from multi-channel, that consistent experience. So what you're saying then is that in whatever way your, your customer chooses to pay or receive their bill, um, the company should ensure that the experience is consistent and unified. You got it. My second tip is to secure every single channel. You cannot let any payment channel slip through the, the cracks. PCI DSS compliance should be top of mind whether you're taking call center payments or online payments. So, and for those of you listening, we dropped a couple of TLAs just now, uh, PCI and DSS. So PCI is the uh, payment <clears throat> card industry and DSS is data security standard. And those are um, a set of security standards designed to ensure that all companies that accept, process, store, or transmit credit card information maintain a secure environment. And um, it sounds complex. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about the complexity of this? Sure. So yes, so PCI DSS applies to any organization that accepts, transmits, or stores cardholder data, regardless of size or the number of transactions. And when you're accepting payments in an environment that is not PCI compliant, you can face a series of penalties that can include monthly penalties ranging from $5,000 to $100,000. Then you risk data breaches that bring their own set of penalties, such as fines between $50 and $90 per cardholder whose information has been compromised, a negative impact on your company's reputation, lawsuits by the customers who've had information violated and a loss of trust due to the lack of security plus federal audits so if your company is big and operates with a large volume of clients the federal trade commission can actually decide to perform frequent audits audits to make sure that you comply with the security standards wow so that that does sound um well actually that sounds a bit uh, scary to me if it would make me think as like a let's say a small business owner like if if I had to deal with all these um, the PCI compliance it's like oh maybe I should just work for free and not ever ask anyone for money um, which of course doesn't make business sense but uh, I imagine there's people out there or um, vendors that I could um, well there are right maybe if you go out to any of these payment vendors um, they'll help you with this so it seems mm -hmm. pretty common sense what you're saying is um, to avoid all these um, you know, possible uh, c compliancy issues. So it seems pretty common sense. Don't ask your customers to send you payment information directly in any of these channels. So not an email, text, you know, messenger, tweet, voice, just none of those. So instead, if you want to request payment in one of those channels, you can say, you know, provide a link to, to some other web page where the customer can securely post their payment information. So for example, you might get a text message and you say, hey, you owe us $20 click here to make the payment. And the click here takes you to a, a link on a browser, which uh, is a secure page that's hosted by a secure um, 
you know, server farm somewhere in, in, you know, with a fence around the warehouse, that kind of thing. So it's not worth the risk to uh, try to, to handle the payments yourself. It's, um, it's important to be PCI compliant and do that right. Absolutely. Certainly not worth the risk. Um, and I know the security team can pr- probably speak better to this, but there's a lot involved when you're trying to ensure a, a completely compliant environment when it comes to payments. So it, it does help to have a vendor who focuses on security as their top priority. And my final tip for today is to, again, market your channel wisely. If you are marketing pay by text options to my 90 year old grandmother, you will not get the adoption you're seeking. There are technology driven processes out there like business intelligence that can help you get to know your customers better. And once you have that information, you can segment your customers and target your messaging. Could you uh, provide us an example of that? Sure. So research has shown us that text message for example, is used primarily by younger generations. And among older generations, email is the second most preferred channel to receive bills next to mail. So if you segment your customers based on average age, you can then tailor on-document messaging to promote pay-by-text to your younger customers and payments by email to your older customers. That way you'll have a greater chance of achieving digital adoption and you'll delight your customers by making them aware of channels that make sense for them. And that is why customer data is so, so valuable. Well, thanks for that example. So we have reached the end of our episode today. And while no one really likes receiving bills or making payments, you've provided some great examples of why and how an organization can make this experience easier. So Sarah, thanks for coming on the show today. It was great talking with you and learning more about your market research. Uh, Thanks for sharing that with us. It was my pleasure, Alfred. Thank you for having me. On our next episode, we'll dive into traditional print and mail to discuss why this communication channel still belongs in your customer experience strategy. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at KubraWay. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Experience Better, the CX podcast is presented by Kubra. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky. Goodbye for now. I hope you experience better.